Hello, I'm Jason Buttrell. You know, all around the world, people are standing up to tyranny. For generations, people have been demeaned, attacked, and assaulted based on their skin color, religion, country of origin, or physical characteristics. And they have remained voiceless. Until now. At the Oscars, someone finally had the guts to stand up for these persecuted minorities in the public forum. But one slap is not enough. No, no. That's why I have started BLM. Bald Lives Matter. No longer will we remain in the shadows. We will step into the light, and that light will gloriously shine off our reflective domes, blinding the intolerance. Please, consider a donation to BLM and support the Bald Lives Matter cause. And I pledge to you that I will not steal your donation or personal information or current GPS coordinates. Remember, all lives do not matter. Only bald lives matter. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to get your Blaze TV subscription. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. Today, we have National Review's Madeline Kearns on Leah Thomas and trans issues. Texas has new abortion loopholes we need to talk about. But we start by doing the slap. Heard round the world. Now look, people making jokes about Jada Pinkett Smith being bald is wrong. And we won't stand by and see it happen. Especially when she went to the Oscars dressed literally as kale. I mean, she, she looks like the area surrounding the salad bar at Pizza Hut. I, she's almost identical. <sighs> All right, so Chris Rock was at the Oscars last night. Let me give you the quick rundown of events. You probably saw the whole thing happen already on, on Twitter. I know you weren't watching the actual broadcast, but there's a point to this. Chris Rock appeared stunned at the 2022 Academy Awards after Will Smith went on stage and smacked the comedian across the face. The incident occurred after Chris Rock, who was introducing the award for best documentary, joked to Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, in the audience. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see you. I mean, it's not a great joke anyway, but it was a big controversy. First, Will Smith seemed to laugh. Then he realized the joke was, I guess, about her hair. And she apparently has alopecia, which has got to be the most Googled word in America today. Uh, and I will assure you, literally zero people complaining about the joke today knew before this event that alopecia uh, affected Jada Pinkett Smith and made her hair fall out. Nobody knew it except Jada Pinkett Smith and a few of her followers on like Instagram. That's it. I've talked to several people around here who have actually had it and they said it sucks. It makes your hair fall out. And then that's, that was about the end of the story. I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, now it appears uh, that Chris Rock did not know anything about this. He's making a joke about what he thinks is a hairstyle and Will Smith freaks out about it because I guess his wife has alopecia. Are we putting alopecia in the category of cancer now? Is that what we're doing here? I don't know. I've never had it before, thankfully. I'm sure it is traumatic for an actress in particular to lose her hair like this. But let's not act like she's suffering from Ebola here. She just didn't have hair. And honestly, is it only women? Like, do bald men ever get this sort of sympathy? I ask you this honestly. As Jason noted on BLM, bald lives matter. Bald dudes seem to only receive mockery. It's not like they chose to be bald. 
they also have a disorder that makes their hair fall out. It's called male pattern baldness. No one seems to care about it whatsoever. I don't know where the sympathy levels are for the dudes out there who've got some, some thinning going on. I don't know. Maybe, we'll, maybe this will be an entire movement now in this direction. I, I'm sure it will be. So after Will Smith realizes that he's supposed to be offended, he goes on stage and he slaps Chris Rock. I mean, honestly, when I first saw it happen, it kind of seemed like a bit. I, I didn't, I, I just was so odd. And the sound it made when he made contact sounded like a punch from Rocky. Like it seemed to have some weird sound effect to tie, tied to it. Uh, I don't know, apparently not. Apparently it was real. You could see by his reaction, I think, uh, that it probably was. I'm talking about Chris Rock's reaction. Smith, uh, 53, laughed from his seat while Pinkett Smith uh, pulled an, an unimpressed expression initially. Smith, who was up for best actor at the ceremony, then took the stage and smacked Chris Rock, 57. He doesn't look 57, across the face. Uh, oh, wow, said a seemingly taken aback rock as Smith made his way back to his seat. Will Smith just smacked the S out of me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you say at that moment. That's pretty much it. I mean, I was wondering if he'd break out a line about, you know, this is the exact type of event that started Will Smith's uh, path to live with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. But no, he did not. Uh, he did not mention that. Uh, and then Will Smith goes and he sits down. And he starts screaming. You couldn't see this on the American broadcast, but on the foreign broadcast, they did not edit a lot of this. And he yelled from his seat, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth. He said it uh, twice. Uh, he said, wow. Uh, then uh, Chris Rock responded, wow, dude, it was a G.I. Jane joke. <laughs> to which Smith uh, replied once again, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth for uh, for clarification should be out of your effing mouth. I don't mean to be a uh, grammar stickler, stickler, but uh, that's that's the way that should have worked, especially when you're doing it a second time. You should probably realize the first time you took out a couple of words there. Uh, now, there's something to be said for standing up for your wife, of course, even if you're you know rumored to let her lay down with so many others in your off time. But get over yourself. Really, it's a joke. I'm sorry Chris Rock did not check her medical history before writing his G.I. Jane 2 joke. Chris Rock weighs like 135 pounds. And you walk up to the guy and you don't even let him know that anything is coming. It was a sucker slap. We saw a sucker slap last night. You tell me, would this have been different if it was The Rock as opposed to Chris Rock? How would that have gone down? And pardon my skepticism for just... A moment here. But I have a hard time seeing a dude slapping another dude in a tux as the pinnacle of modern masculinity. Then, of course, we had to portray uh, Will Smith as the victim. He got on stage. He, of course, won his award uh, for best actor in a movie that, you know, did anybody see this movie? I doubt it. But he, uh, Richard, he says, Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family. Oh, was that you, Will? In this time in my life, in this moment, I am overwhelmed by what God is calling on me to do and be in this world. I am being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Could this be any more agonizing of a statement? You just hit a guy on national TV. What do you mean you're a river of love? 
Ugh. And he went on, and I know to do what we do, you've got to be able to take abuse because you're such a victim here of that joke. Ugh. And you've got to be able to have people talk crazy about you. Really? Was he talking crazy about you? In this business, you've got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you've got to smile and pretend like it's okay. Could he martyr himself more than this? This is just agonizing. Then he turned the agonizing spectacle up to an 11 with this. Yeah, there he is. He slapped another adult on stage, and then he went to a party, and he danced to his own song. How do I delete the last 24 hours of my life? Can I do it? If anyone's got, what was that movie with Jim Carrey? Can we just, rem can I get all of this erased from my memory? Is that possible? Uh, Ayanna Presley, by the way, Congresswoman, a squad member is trying to delete things from her last 24 hours. She actually initially tweeted, Alopecia Nation, stand up. Thank you, Will Smith. Shout out to all the husbands who defend their wives living with alopecia in the face of daily ignorance and insults. Women with baldies are for real men only. Boys need not apply. Well, she tweeted that and then she deleted that. I guess because the whole walking up and hitting someone on stage became slightly frowned upon after the incident. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. Look, the truth is that these people are lunatics. All of them. The entire industry is jam-packed, filled with crazy people who then go on to tell you how to live your life. They make millions of dollars slandering anyone who disagrees with them. Uh, in the most emotive medium, medium possible, the most manipulative medium possibly. They call conservatives hate mongers, Islamophobes, homophobes, transphobes, phobophobes. And then they get their, you know, their hair cut and salted one time and they have to open hand slap the offenders like they're 1800s British royalty. It's like, what is this? Sure, there's probably some level of verbal abuse that gets a husband to take physical action. But it's not one joke by a guy you're insanely assuming is commenting on your wife's disorder. Maybe she's been struggling at home with this. I mean, you could picture this, right? Maybe we don't know all the details. Maybe it's been a really traumatic subject for her and we're not privy to all those details. But there's no reason to assume the worst of some comedian whose job it is to roast the celebrities in attendance. And if it is your call to go after the guy, all right, but you don't sucker slap a 130 pound dude and then yell swears at him from the comfort of your seat, then get consoled by other celebrities, cry on stage and then dance to your own song at a party. A douchier itinerary does not exist. Remember, these are the people telling you how you should live, what laws you should pass, what candidates you should vote for. These guys can't get through three freaking weeks without rehab or an overdose or criminal charges, but they get to control the agenda of what sexually explicit material is going to be taught to your eight-year-old. Are you gonna put up with that, seriously? Here's what I can say. 
you might not have $100 million. You might never go to an awards show in a tux. You may never get a $150,000 gift basket and then complain about income inequality before you fly home on your private jet. But the good news is you also have never shown up to an event dressed as a salad. The proper use of kale is in a salad that you later throw out. You don't staple it to your dress. Remember, boys and girls, salad dressing is for flavor. Salad dressing is not supposed to be wardrobe advice. I know what you're thinking, Stu, I want an amazing belt. Yes, I want an amazing belt that's comfortable, fashionable, customizable. I don't want it made out of kale. No, thank you. But I don't want to have to sell my car and travel all the way to Europe to get it. Well, up until now, that would have been completely impossible. But now there is Grip6. Grip6 is a small company in Utah that sells the uh, great stuff here in the United States and all over the world, but sources almost everything it uses to make its products here in America. They have these great minimalist belts, uh, so they're not, you know, jutting out of your shirt and looking all weird. But they're also uh, customizable, so you can you do laser-etched designs, logos, flags, all sorts of cool stuff on the belt buckle, make it personal for you. They're also available in carbon fiber, so you don't set off the metal detectors. If you're in the airport, you're doing a lot of traveling. There's a great option as well. And carbon fiber, not easy to come by. Uh, these days, but Grip6 has it. Uh, if uh, all that wasn't enough, Grip6 also carries an awesome selection of socks and wallets that you can check out as well. You're gonna love this stuff, and they love America, and that's what I want to do. I want to do business with people who love America, not hate it, not knock it down a notch every time they get a chance. Go to grip6.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew to save 15%. It's grip the number six.com slash stew. Get 15% off today. Grip6.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome Madeline Kearns to the program. She's a writer for National Review, visiting fellow for the Independent Women's Forum as well. Her new piece is I Know What a Woman Is. Wow. It's a secret information. Very, very difficult to figure out. I will tweet out a link to that here in just uh, a couple of minutes. Madeline, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. Let's start right here. Can you provide a definition of the word woman? Sure. So a woman is an adult human female, and a female is a member of the female sex, which is distinct from the male sex, uh, has XX chromosomes, female reproductive organs, and female gametes. And we all know what a woman is. Most of us are able to identify most of the population at a glance. So I don't know why some people are pretending that this is difficult. Yeah, uh, you know, you've you made that look easy, uh, Madeline. I don't know how you did it. It's interesting to, because we have a Supreme Court justice potentially here who will be approved soon who could not do this, uh, acted as if this was an almost a crazy question uh, and with an impossible answer that you needed to be a biologist to answer. This was a bizarre act and a very strange moment in our history, I think. It was a bizarre act. It was also unnecessary for her to answer it this way. We all know that she knows what a woman is. She answered it this way because she was nervous about how this would be received by progressives, clearly. But she she could have made it very legalistic. She could have said, you know, there's a live political discussion just now about whether a woman should be defined anatomically or whether it should whether sex should include gender identity. I'm a judge. I look at matters of the law. She could have started there, but she didn't. She was very much 
concerned to make sure she made clear, look, I'm not an expert, I'm not a biologist, I'd have to get in somebody who is, which was very, very strange and disturbing. And I, I don't know about you, but I didn't believe her, right? Like there was no, it wasn't like she really didn't know. She's just coming out and, and trying to get this weird, uh, politically correct answer to please. You could see her almost calculating the tweets that would come no matter how she answered. So she just punted on the whole question. Yeah, and it shows you just how powerful this ideology has become, that even a nominee for the Supreme Court isn't willing to stand up and say the simple, honest truth that is self-evident for most people most of the time. It's really true. We just got a new puppy, and it's a girl. And we know it's a girl, not because we have, we're biologists, but because we know the basic things that go on there. This shouldn't be that difficult. And I was, I was thinking of, um, I think it was Tom Nichols who wrote a book several years ago called The Death of Expertise. And it basically lamented the, the, the rise of populism and the way that we, populism, and when, that, when it rises, tends to have to look the other way and just say, oh, we know, we're regular people, we can always figure that out. And I can understand, at times that is concerning. But we are now at another side of this, watching a Supreme Court justice who is unable to answer basic questions without referring to some unknown expertise that she can't have. We all understand that she has the common sense to answer this question, and we're supposed to fake it and act like she doesn't. I know, it's ridiculous. I think the best way to push back against it is to have people who are unafraid to just say the common sense truth. I'm just back from Atlanta, Georgia. I was at the NCAA swim championship where a biological male was allowed to dominate the female competition. And I was sitting watching this happen when a women's rights activist um, who's very much on our side, sees the truth of biological sex, got into an argument with a trans rights activist. And the trans rights activist said, hey, are you a biologist? And she said, I'm not a vet, but I know what a dog is. And I thought it was the perfect, just absolute perfect way to sum up this problem. You do not need a degree to be able to see what a woman is. All of us here came from, from a woman. We were born, we came through, the, through a woman in order to be on this earth. Um, and we know, and a, a doctor makes a quick observation, whoever's delivering the baby makes a quick observation, and we know, male or female, any or outy, it's not difficult. Yeah, I was surprised. I looked at one of the fact-checking sites that was measuring the promises Biden kept, and it said that Katanji Brown-Jackson was a promise kept, as he promised to name a black woman to the Supreme Court. But how do we know? I mean, if we can't define a woman, how could we possibly know that he succeeded in this promise? Um, it was amazing, though, to because to, I know you covered this pretty extensively, to watch Leah Thomas and in her championship rise. Can, can you describe what was the scene in the stands? What did people think? Was there a a discernible reaction from the crowd one way or the other. Definitely. It, it sort of felt like being in the story, The Emperor's New Clothes. There was a real sense, and it, it was, I think this is demonstrable just in how muted the, the crowd was relative to how they reacted to the female athletes. There was just an uneasy tension. Um, every time Thomas uh, either took the podium or, or dived in the pool, there was just a, a, a lack of cheering, a lack of clapping. A few boos here and there, actually, and one women's rights protester shouting, he's a man, at one point. It just felt really like being in the Empress New Clothes. I mean, chatting to parents and, and female athletes uh, outside, of, outside of the pool, they were all saying sort of the same things, which was, this is really unfair. We wish we could say it's really unfair, but we feel 
that we can't because of the retaliation if we speak the truth on this. So you have all these people humiliated and bullied into saying things and going along with things that they simply don't believe are true. What's your thought on the split on that issue? Because I I kind of agree with you in that I believe most of the people who come out and say, uh, you know, Leah Thomas, actually, she's a beautiful female and she's winning these races and and it's totally it's totally fine. And there's nothing nothing to see here. I don't believe most of those people. I, I believe most of those people feel as if they say the wrong thing, they'll get canceled or their their progressive friends will look down on them. Kind of like, you know, how we saw that Saturday Night Live sketch that came out a few weeks ago about mask wearing, where uh, all the people felt pressured. They couldn't even say anything that would question it enough because they would be peer pressured uh, into falling into line. And I, I feel like that is the overwhelming majority. When you talk to people, even on the far left that I've spoken to, they generally would say, well, yeah, we know that it's not, you know, it's not exactly the way we're saying it, but we feel bad for these people and they're going through a tough time and we have to be kind. And that's all, of course, very much true. But at some point, as outside observers, truth matters, does it not? Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, that's certainly been my experience as well, that most people I speak to, even people on the left, are, have it at the very least discomfort with this, can accept that it does at least appear to be unfair. And I think the sports issue more than other issues in the trans debate is a good illustration of this, in part because you, so Leah Thomas, when Leah Thomas goes out there to compete, there's no uh, costume. It's just, you can see the body and you can see the difference between a male body and a female body. Um, Leah Thomas has not, as far as I'm aware, had surgeries, had uh, the kind of levels of intervention that you would need to make a substantive change. So people are really being asked to go along with something that contradicts their sensory experience. And I think that's why the sports issue, also because Americans really love their sports, but I think that's why the sports issue, more than any other issue in the trans debate, has really captured people's sense of justice. Yeah, because it feels like the most obvious kind of slap you in the face moment. Like this, obviously, to everyone, isn't right. Um, how does it can, can you talk about it broadly from a woman's perspective here? This is not just a story about Leah Thomas winning some medals. This is a story about women and their right to, you know, to be able to exist and compete against each other. And it, it goes beyond sports, I think. It absolutely goes beyond sports. I mean, there are biological differences between men and women, and men in certain contexts have an advantage over women. That's why we've always recognized the need for women to have women-only spaces for, for safety, because a man can physically overpower a woman. Um, that's why the, the majority of, of sexual violence is male to female. Um, we've recognized this, and we've, we've had provisions in place in society to protect women from this. And then when you come to something like sports, Men are, are, are faster, they're, they're stronger. We know this. It's, it's utterly demoralizing for these female athletes to go out there and know that their best is never going to be as good as a mediocre male athlete's worst day, really. I mean, there is a significant gap in, in elite-level sports. I mean, I have three brothers, and I remember um, just playing sports with them when I was growing up and feeling that, they would, they would always run faster and they weren't particularly gracious about it. And it didn't make me feel very good about myself, you know? And that's why we have female-only leagues. So we can celebrate female achievements, understanding that they are different 
and deserve to be treated differently than than the male competitors. Well, I've never heard of three brothers not being gracious before, so that sounds totally foreign <laughs> to me. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about the way this is manifesting itself in other like facets of our society? For I think in a disturbing way with Vladimir Putin and Russia, as he seems to be looking for allies around the world. Putin is embracing this sort of uh, Alexander Dugin traditionalism uh, view and trying to appeal, it seems, to Western conservatives and saying, hey, you know, we're seeing this on various conservative sites at times. Hey, you know, at least Vladimir Putin knows how many genders there are. This is something I I think it's very bad to be tempted by, by some on the right. Yeah, conservatives really need to hold their own side in check here because, I mean, a bit of perspective is in order. Yes, absolutely. Is it unjust for female athletes to be dominated by male athletes? Yes, absolutely. It's unjust. You know what's more unjust? Being invaded and blown to pieces by a foreign government. That's more unjust. So I think we need to kind of keep a, a sense of perspective in all this. It was interesting, though, to see put an appeal to cancel culture. I think he he cited J.K. Rowling. Uh, and and what, what he's really doing there, um, and again, conservatives should, should be very, very careful about this, is he's using a cultural weakness. He's using our division. Uh, and he's trying to get in there and cause more division. And this is, this is a, a, an instance of something that shouldn't even be controversial. Why are we arguing over whether we can have males and female sports? Surely we have bigger problems to worry about. Surely we can just at least agree on the material reality of sex, but apparently not, and it does not look good to our enemies. It's hard to feel bad for someone who sold a billion books, but you, you don't want to see the tweet come down that Vladimir Putin is now on your side of an argument. That's not a that's not a good place to be right now. Um, before I let you go, Madeline, let me talk to me about this, because uh, you've been covering this a lot and you've you've gone into these issues. These issues are uncomfortable. You never get you know, no one praises you for covering uh, trans rights issues. I know uh, you have at National Review and they've done a great job all throughout uh, the publication and the site covering this stuff. But like this is stuff that you, you never get you never get kudos for it. You get destroyed all the time on social media and in the media. How has it been going through this uh, this experience? You know, I think again, growing up with three brothers, I have a pretty thick skin. So this this whole experience has probably just made it even thicker. Um, but really, I think at the end of the day, again, to, to talk about perspective. There are worse things that can happen to you than people say mean things about you on the internet. And I really think that more people just have to to be brave about this and just say what they really think, because that's the only way we're going to ever see a difference. Mm, That's great. Great perspective. Madeline Kearns, a writer for National Review, visiting fellow for the Independent Women's Forum. Her new piece is I Know What a Woman Is. And you can find it, a link to to it over at my uh, Twitter page, at Stu Does America. Madeline, thank you so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're not going to believe the hate. The hate is on display. Yes, in the state of Florida, where the don't say gay bill has been passed and signed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, the most controversial uh, part of this bill is, of course, the last name of the governor who uh, is actually in office when it was passed. This has literally nothing to do with the bill whatsoever. It's all about how can we try to weaken Ron DeSantis ahead of what looks like a presidential run. That is 100% of what is going on here. 
There is absolutely nothing controversial about this bill at all. This We may have to do a full monologue on this uh, at some point uh, this week. I don't know. I'm just I'm flabbergasted by this. I, we went through dozens of articles, dozens. None of them actually call the name by the bill. They all call it the don't say gay bill, which you'll be surprised to hear is not the actual name of the bill. And I was trying to think of when have we ever seen anything like this? They have just adopted the critics uh, nickname for the bill, which is obviously supposed to be derogatory toward the, toward the bill. And they've just adopted it as the name of the bill. Now, it does come. It usually is in quotes that don't say gay bill, but they don't even this AP article doesn't even name the actual bill. They just call it the don't say gay bill. Now, of course, as you know, if you've been watching The Blaze or paying attention to this stuff, the bill, of course, does not prevent people from saying the word gay, no matter how many how many idiots want to you know, walk around and just say gay over and over again like they did at the Oscars last night. Uh, no matter how many times that happens, it's not in the bill. You can, it has nothing to do with whether you can say gay or not. It is not targeted even at all schools. It's only targeted at young children. And it says don't talk about sex as part of your, part of your uh, official curriculum. Now, um, the Walt Disney has chimed in and they have gone they, like they have whiplash over at Disney. They came out and they said, look, we don't want to get involved in this stuff. And that lasted like 30 seconds. And now they are the premier, they basically are saying, the entire function of their company right now is to overturn the don't say gay law, which is not actually the don't say gay law. And if you think I'm overstating this, this is a quote from the company. Our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by this legislature. I thought your goal for your company was to make an amusement park so that my kids could enjoy their time there. That's what I thought your goal as a company was. I thought your goal was to rip me off for crappy merchandise that's triple the price that it should be. I thought that was your goal, but apparently your goal is to get laws repealed by the le legislature? What the hell kind of amusement park is that? You want to talk about a boring place to go? That's it. So that's Disney's perspective. Think about that next time you go boys and girls, you're supporting a company whose goal is to get a law repealed from the legislature so that they can talk to your second graders about being gay. That is the only thing that this law does. And I, I overstate the law because it doesn't even actually do that. It would not bar spontaneous discussions about sexual orientation or gender identity in schools, but would prevent districts from integrating the subjects into official curriculum. So if it just comes up in conversation, you can still have conversations about sexual identity with your kindergartners in class, but it can't be part of the official curriculum. Wow. I mean, we might as well throw all alternative lifestyle people into prison camps. It's basically the same thing. It's amazing what is happening here because none of this is actually in the bill. None of it is real. This is only, and I stress this, only an effort to get Ron DeSantis smeared before he actually announces his campaign. Obviously, once he's the candidate, it becomes hard. Everyone understands, okay, you're, you're just attacking him because he's the guy who might be running against your party. The media is the same way. Everyone understands that. So they're trying to weaken him beforehand. The problem is he's very popular 
in his state right now. He's popular among independents in his state. He's even kind of popular among Democrats in his state who allowed he allowed people to actually live their lives and make their own decisions. He was one of the only people in the country who did that as a governor. And as a result, all the people that are now complaining about him came down to visit. They all went outside and hung out at the beautiful uh, beaches and bars and restaurants without their masks and enjoyed their lives while they were preaching to everyone else about how they should live theirs. That is the class of people we're talking about here. And this bill does none of the things that they actually claim. Uh, it's completely amazing, and it shows how the media and the left can control the debate on this. I was thinking back, has there ever been another bill like this where... The name of the bill was designed by the opponents of the bill after it was already introduced. And the only one I could really come up with off the top of my head was Obamacare. But Obamacare, first of all, was usually referred to in respectable publications as the Affordable Care Act until Barack Obama came out and said, I like the title. I want it to be called Obamacare. And then they started using Obamacare a little bit more. But it was the Affordable Care Act for a long time time when it came to actual news articles, you know, a lot of people referred to it as Obamacare, but when it comes to journalism, it was the Affordable Care Act. And I also say this, the, the negative name for Obamacare that came from its critics was not Obamacare. It was like the death panels bill, right? Like that's what, imagine if they just started calling Obamacare the death panels bill in quotes every time they mentioned it. That would never, ever, ever happen. Uh, it barely even happened on conservative media. And Obamacare is derogatory toward Obamacare if you don't like Obama. But if you like Obama, as Obama himself specifically indicated, it's a fine name. He's getting credit for a bill he wanted passed. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the bill sucks, but that's because I don't like giant government controlling my health care. So I can't think of another example of this. It's completely unbelievable. The other uh, issue, which is really interesting, is the Texas law. Now, the Texas law went through on abortions, and it was obviously very restrictive for abortions here in the state. You had to get your abortions uh, really early. And I know the inconvenience of not being able to get an abortion, you know, eight, nine months in. It's just almost unfair. Uh, it's completely unfair uh, to women, obviously. I call it the Anti-Women Act, in quotes. But basically what they're finding is something that we've discussed on this program over and over and over again. Yes, you should pursue legislation. Yes, we should pursue overturning Roe versus Wade. Yes, we should do all these things because preventing some baby that should be born uh, from dying too early is, is, a, is a laudable pursuit. But it will not solve the problem. What they're finding with the Texas law is people are just traveling. <laughs> they're just traveling or they're getting their appointments a little bit earlier or they're getting abortion pills in the mail. There are all sorts of ways that they're going around this. The women who want to get these abortions are getting them. The long term way to stop abortion and get it to uh, you know, the area that we want it to be, if you happen to be a pro-life type of person like myself, is to be able to convince people and to try to win them over and try to get them themselves to avoid it. The problem is, there's always going to be money from the pro-choice side, the pro-abortion side of the argument. They are going to be able to funnel money to women who want to travel to do this stuff, who want to get the pills mailed to them in the mail. There are organizations set up in Europe just to do this. So they can send it to all the hateful countries that won't let their 
kids, you know, not be born. I don't even know what the logic is anymore with this stuff. So this is a good, you know, there's good advances happening in the world of, uh, of the pro-life movement. But we have to remember that it's not this. Getting, just like we say with guns. Saying, oh, don't use guns to murder people doesn't stop people from using guns to murder people. You have to try to change it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's not going to do just having gun control laws is this sort of left wing fantasy land that is going to stop people from dying. It doesn't work in real life. In real life, you have to change people and change their circumstances and change their thinking. And eventually, I think we could do that. I think we're, we're coming along, we're doing a good job doing that already. But there's still a lot of work to do on that front. And we have to remember that that is really the only end goal here. The only way it can really be eliminated is not going to be from some law. It's not going to be some selectman or governor or congressman or president even. Uh, doing this. It's going to come from the individual and changing individual minds. And we have to keep that in mind as we go through all these legal battles. Biden's job approval falls to the lowest level of his presidency. And that is on in this particular poll, the NBC News poll, 40 percent, which is approximately 40 percent too high. Uh, do you get the, are you at that point now where you're just like, how can 40 percent be like, yeah, this is working? Uh, you know what? I think looking around, I'd say overall, great job. Who is who is that person? Do you know anyone like that? Because I know a lot of people on the left who voted for Biden. Those people aren't like, hey, you know, I think Biden's doing a bang up job. They may say some version of he's better than Trump or I don't want Trump back or God, please don't give us Kamala Harris. But none of them think he's doing a good job. Who's saying this? It may just be, you know, rank partisanship at this point, getting him to 40 percent. And there may not be much lower to fall. Like bad experience. You maybe get down to 30 if it's a real catastrophe. I don't know if it's possible for a U.S. president to drop below those numbers. But Joe's going to test it. We'll see how that goes. Uh, By the way, um, the whole Taliban thing, that was not a failure. It went exactly as planned. In fact, I don't think you could say it was anything but a resounding success. At least that's what Jen Psaki told me to say uh, back in the day. Well, uh, you're going to be shocked to hear. First, they said, you know what, women, we love them now. We're a different Taliban, just like the new KKK. They love uh, people of color now. And the Taliban now loves women. And the women are going to totally be able to go to school. Uh, oops, now they can't go to school. And another one, uh, they, you thought maybe... This one would fall apart, but uh, you're going to be surprised to hear that it has. The Taliban has told airlines in Afghanistan that women cannot board domestic or international flights without a male chaperone. Uh, So stunning development. I really had a lot of faith in the Taliban to stick with their promises. And if you can't trust the Taliban, who can you trust? If you think that sounds ridiculous, that was our policy under Joe Biden in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Hochul is running for uh, uh, she's currently the governor of New York. She's going to run, I guess, for election because it wouldn't be re-election because she because Cuomo stepped down. There is that buzz going on with Andrew Cuomo. Will he decide to run again? He's running ads for himself, just like, hey, if you want someone to go to dinner with you, I'd be a great guy. Like he's there's no campaign going on and he's running commercials for himself to try to clear his name. Uh, People are wondering whether he's just going to jump back into the fray. A recent poll in New York came out, had Hochul only up by five or six points against um, against uh, Andrew Cuomo if he were to run. Well, Hochul has now committed six hundred million dollars in taxpayer funds for 
the new Buffalo Bills Stadium. And, you know, this is a, this is a classic politician move, move. When you're in trouble, you just kind of throw it out there like, what if we gave a few hundred million dollars to your favorite sports team? Is that, would that, uh, how, do you, how would you, uh, would you be cool with that? Uh, what's, your, what's your vibe on that one? So that's what she's going with. By the way, the NFL has also announced some new, some new changes. And we've gone over, we've done entire shows on the Rooney rule. This rule that, you know, emphasizes skin color above all else. Basically says you must interview minority coaches. Uh, it kept, kept expanding. We got to the point where they were giving out draft picks. Like if you hire a minority and another person hires them away from you, you get free draft picks. They're literally changing the balance of power in the league, in the game, to try to get African-Americans or other minorities hired. And like, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I know everyone has a different lived experience, but I will say, I would, would you ever want that for yourself? Would you ever want to know that you got, would you ever want to be Katanji Brown Jackson and know that you didn't have to compete with any white people or Asian people or a Native American people to, for your job? You were just the best of this really tiny, small subgroup. Would that ever make you feel satisfied? I don't think it would. Uh, but the, they are now announcing new rules to expand this. Now, they're going to screw up overtime again. They can't get that right. Uh, we've explained exactly how to get it right on this program, by the way. Go back and look in the archives. Uh, but they are now going to uh, force all 32 teams to hire minority coaches. Uh, I think it's offensive assistants. This is by uh, the end of next year, I believe. And they're now going to include in the Rooney Rule women. So now I guess you can hire white women instead of uh, minority men. And you'll still be covered for your Rooney Rule uh, compliance, I guess. And you know some of these, like the, the Washington Redskins, now, then the Washington football team, now supposedly the Washington Commanders, though I don't think I will ever seriously use that name for them. But you know they're, they're going to be like, they're going to be hiring like strippers on the sidelines. I mean, if you've read any of the reports on the Redskins, I mean, they're not as bad as the Cowboys, obviously, but they're really bad. Uh, here are the reviews. Uh, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. If you're listening on podcasts, we do appreciate it so much. Spread the word. Click subscribe. Click it right now. I'll wait. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This one comes in. Stupid cl uh, tie clips and whatever. I used to watch this stupid show every day on The Blaze until Stu tried to do, uh, decided to assault my ears and mind with a Jackson Brown spoof that's been stuck in my head ever since. It is... You don't want me to play it again, right? I just want to make sure. Violence is never the answer. P.S. How does it feel to be named by Glenn? Does that make him your... Never mind. Five stars. Whatever. I, I don't know what you mean by that, but of course, I do appreciate the five stars. Uh, Stu's astute satire is priceless. Actually, uh, $9.99 a month. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Uh, I love this stupid show. This is about uh, North Korea, by the way, the video we showed last week. I love this stupid show. That little Rocket Man uh, description was so funny, I couldn't take it. I was laughing out loud by myself. I will say, sometimes the videos are best experienced on podcasts. And I've a lot of people have told me that about the show. Hey, really love your show, just don't like looking at you. So it's always available to you on podcasts, but it is on YouTube as well, and uh, Pluto and Blaze TV. We appreciate you checking the show uh, out. Well, we'll be back in just a second. Okay, so here's what happened. Environmentalists told you that global warming was a big problem, and it was your fault, you know? You got all these SUVs, all these flights all around the world. You bastard, all the energy sucking you're doing here in America, it's all terrible. And, you know, with the exception of an occasional private jet flight for Leonardo DiCaprio, it's all really bad. But if Leonardo DiCaprio does take a private jet somewhere, he can always use carbon offsets, and that solves the problem. 
one of the ways you have a carbon offset is to plant a bunch of trees because they suck up the CO2. Well, guess what the new problem is in the global warming world? Tree farts. Yes, tree farts. The problem is these trees, apparently, this is news to me, eventually die. And when they die, they decompose, they release carbon, and now that's screwing up the atmosphere as well. So, uh, I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio going to have to keep his 14-year-old girlfriends closer to home. See you tomorrow.